And so I've titled the message today, Why Did He Come? I know, you say, duh, we know why He came, but why did He come? Why did He come, and how does that apply to your life? So take your Bible, stand with me, and let's go to Luke chapter 1, Luke 1, verses 26 through 33. Now this is not the main text of our passage, or of our message, but it has some elements of what we're going to talk about today. So Luke 1, 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what, what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Can I just say this to you? This is not part of the heart of the message. But whenever God manifests himself to you in any kind of way, it always starts with taking fear away. Satan is the one that creates guilt. Satan is the one that creates fear in us. Not God. God alleviates fear. He smashes fear. So when God appears to us through His Son Christ, when His Holy Spirit speaks to us, He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. And here, this representative of of God, this angel, Gabriel, comes to this highly chosen woman. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. Now think about this. My little seven-year-old on the way, a seven-year-old grandbaby on the way to taking her to her mom last night said, Pops, can I ask you some questions about Jesus? Of course you can. So Gee turns the radio down. We're listening to Christmas music, and she starts to ask me questions about Jesus. And she asked, she said, she said, why is eternity eternal? And I thought to myself, man, I, 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 I need a bigger book. I need a book here to go. Why is eternal? eternity eternal that's what she said i said so let me let me get this straight you're asking why does forever last forever yes and i said because god is eternal she goes but i don't understand that and i said i don't either baby we never will she goes well doesn't everything have to have a beginning and an end and i said yes everything that's not eternal (laughs) i'm giving her all my theological you know Everything that's not eternal, yeah. And I said, but here's the thing. I said, God never had a beginning. But who created him? And I said, ah, that's a good question. For you see, if God was created by someone, then we would have to worship that God that created him. But he is God, and so therefore, he never was created by anything. He always existed. Well, how did he not have a beginning? And I said, 
I'm telling you, that's what's hard to understand. I said, even pops can't understand that. As smart and awesome as I am. No, I didn't tell her that. But I said, I, could, I don't understand it. And I said, eternity, he doesn't have a beginning and he doesn't have an end. Right? And so here we're reading about the birth of Christ. And it says here, you say, but oh, but pastor, he's got a beginning, his birth. Oh, I'm going to deal with that in just a second. But it says here, and his kingdom will never end. He's an eternal God. Just Those are free points for you from a seven-year-old. Just thought I'd give you that. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the love that we have in Christ. Thank you for what Christmas is all about. It's about our God who came take on human flesh, to be tempted in all points as we are yet without sin, to give himself as a sacrifice, to be buried, to die, to be buried, and to rise from the dead, to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And we know he's coming back. Thank you that you intervened in human history at the time that you did over 2,000 years ago. And we've never gotten over it since. Speak to us today about why he came, and I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. So why did he come? Well, in order for us to understand that, we must first understand the first thing, and it's this. He didn't just begin in Bethlehem. That was not the beginning of Christ. That was not the beginning of our God. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about it, says, let us make man in the book of Genesis in our own image. And the us is plural, but God is singular. So how can he be plural? How, you know, there is one God. But we know the us means the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Colossians that all things were created by him and for him, meaning Christ. All things were were created by Christ. Christ existed in eternity past. He always was. So what is Bethlehem? Bethlehem was where we call it the incarnation. Theologians call it the incarnation, where Christ became man, where God limited himself, the Bible says in Colossians, to become a human being. And in that limitation, he took on the form of a man. And he was going to experience the same things that you and I experienced, 100% God, 100% man. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. You know, there's a big debate in theological circles, always has been. There's never really an answer to it because everybody has their own points of view. But there's a question. Could Jesus have sinned? Some say, no, he couldn't have sinned. And some say, well, if he couldn't have sinned, then he wasn't, he wasn't 100% man. When I first got saved, I held to that view. And I said that, you know, he was 100% God, 100% man, but yet, because he's God, God cannot sin. Well, then, how could he be tempted as we are, yet without sin, if he could not have sinned, right? And so I came to a place to say, of course he could have sinned. He's God. He can do what he wants. However, he didn't sin. That's the point. That's the point. And so Jesus Christ existed before Bethlehem, but in Bethlehem, that's when he identified with man and he left heaven for you and me. He didn't just begin in Bethlehem. He always existed. There are accounts in the Old Testament of what we call the pre-incarnate Christ prior to him taking on a human body. You know, the Bible says, hey, you remember the story of the three Hebrew young men who 
were thrown into the fire by Nebuchadnezzar. The Persian names that were given to them. You know, we know them by their Persian names. We should know them by their Hebrew names. And I, right off the top of my head, I don't remember the Hebrew names. But their Persian names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those, those three? And because they refused to bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar and worship him, they were thrown into the fire. And remember what they said. They said, King... We shall not bow down to you, and our God will deliver us. But if our God does not deliver us, know this, O king, we still will not bow down to you. They threw them in this unbelievable fire. It was so hot that the guards who threw them in there were burnt in an instant. Those three men were thrown in there. Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and he's astonished because he looks in there, and he wonders why these three men were not eviscerated when they were thrown in there not only were they not eviscerated but he saw a fourth man and he said the fourth one was the son of god in the book of daniel the old testament tells us the pre-incarnate christ he always existed he always was and he always will be look at what john 8 58 says john 8 58 very truly i tell you jesus answered before abraham was born I am. I am. God in the Old Testament, when he appeared to Moses, he said, tell him, I am has sent you. Here Jesus is equating himself with I am, with Elohim, with the God of the Old Testament. Before Abraham was even born, I existed. I am. And John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Why did He come? For us to understand why He came, we must always understand who He is. And that Bethlehem was just when He took the form of a man. But He always existed, okay? Number two, why did He come? He came to forgive us and to take away our sin. He came to forgive us and to take away our sin. I want you to go with me to Hebrews. If you want to turn in your Bibles, go with me to Hebrews um, chapter 10. All right, Hebrews 10. And we're going to look at several passages here in Hebrews 10. But Hebrews 10, verses 5 and 7 says, or 5 through 7, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, now listen to this, when Christ came into the world, when did he come into the world? At what? Bethlehem, right? That's when he came into the world. When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Okay, now look at verses 11 through 18. Look at what the Bible says here. So day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice, when he says that, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, meaning Jesus, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. 
The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on, my, on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin no longer necessary, is no longer necessary. He came to forgive us and take away our sin. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, sacrifices of goats and animals and the blood of goats and animals had to be spilled to cover the sins of human beings, just to cover them. And they were not, they were imperfect animals, even though you had to take a spotless lamb sometimes, but it still didn't suffice because it was an animal. Then the pure spotless lamb who takes away the sins of the world came, Jesus Christ. He didn't just cover our sins, he's taken our sins away. Now we discussed this in Sunday school this morning. Do you know how far the east is from the west? Can anybody give me a, a, an exact how many miles is the east separated from the west? Somebody tell me. Does somebody have the answer for that? You know why you don't have the answer? Because there is no answer. It's infinite. You start going west, and you'll never go east. You start, start going west, and you'll never go east. And you start going east, and you'll never go west. Meaning that God has put our sins in infinity he didn't just cover them so that they could be remembered later in jesus christ we are forgiven and he has taken our sins away when christ was born he represented the perfect lamb of god he is the perfect lamb of god and when he gave his life for us our sins are forgiven i you know Sometimes I think we don't fully understand that because we take it for granted. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever, don't raise your hand, but have you ever were so tempted to commit a sin that you knew it was wrong? And as a Christian, you knew it. You just knew it was wrong and you knew you shouldn't do it and you knew it was not right, but somehow you convinced yourself, but I know God will forgive me anyway. Have you ever done that before? Don't raise your hand, but I have. You see, that's not the right way to look at things. Because, see, he came and took away our sin so that we don't have to live in sin anymore. We don't have to be under the mastery of sin. Sin doesn't have to have dominion over my life. You got a problem with something? Maybe you're tempted by alcohol. Let me just say this to you. You don't have to give in to that. Christ is stronger than any alcohol you will ever consume than any substance you'll ever consume and he can give you victory over that are you consumed by by the sin of your anger you know i've heard somebody say this oh pastor he's got a temper last i checked everybody's got a temper what what you got to find out is you know what triggers it 
and, 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 and how hot does the, the you know, where, where's the thermostat on this? That's what I want to know. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to tell me he's got a temper. Everybody's got a temper. We all have a temper. We all deal with anger. We all deal with struggles of that nature. Jesus came to forgive you and me and to change us. Man, that's the gift of Christmas, that you are forgiven. Think about that. You're forgiven. Every thought you thought about this week that was sinful doesn't make you, I should say, makes you in, in your sin unworthy to even sing to God. But because of what Jesus did for you, His blood washes your sins away. You are now able to come to the throne of grace with confidence and proclaim the name of Jesus and sing and worship, right? See, worship today is not about, listen, it's not about whether or not I lived right this week. It's about who He is and that He is in the process of changing me daily. See, He came to forgive us and to take away our sin. That's why He came. It's a beautiful thing. Number three. He came to do God's will. Now at the, verse, at the end of verse 7 it says, I have come to do your will, my God. And then in verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 10, it says here, Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. Listen guys, Jesus didn't come to do my will or what you want. He came to do what his Father sent him to do. See, Christianity is not about cafeteria-style religion where you come and you choose what you want and get to, you know, and that God serves you. No, He came to do the Father's will to serve Him. And if you're going to be like Him, you've come to serve Him. See, He came to do the Father's will. And the Father's will was for him to take on human flesh so that he could save the world because he would be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Y'all get that? You see, you see the beauty of that and how awesome that is? He came and took on human flesh. That was the Father's will. Then he got here. And then Satan took him up and, and, and showed him how he could be, listen, he could be the ruler of all this stuff here on earth. Right? You remember the temptation in the wilderness? Just think about that for a moment. Let me ask you this. Have you ever, have you ever kind of tasted a little bit of wealth? Now, wait a minute. I don't mean that it was yours. But maybe you were invited by a friend who was very wealthy to go and spend a weekend somewhere. Or to go and... Uh, play with their toys you know like uh like you know to to me you know would be like going to their uh, high fence area you know and all the big deer and get to drive their their side by sides and all that you, you, you know what i'm saying have you ever tasted a little bit of wealth i have i grew up next to a kid who was very wealthy his dad made it big time in the maritime boat industry and he was one of the few wealthy kids in our in our elementary school, then junior high school. We were best friends, and I would spend the night at his house, and he would spend the night at my house, and wealthy. And I remember, man, they just had things that we didn't have. 
And, and what they did have that we had, it was nicer than what we had, right? I remember, you know, when he'd come to my house, I'd have to apologize to him for the wash rags having holes in them. You go to his house, man, the towels were like blankets, man, and they were that thick. I mean, awesome. They had, they had a housekeeper, and somebody would take care of everything for them. And it was just, and I would say, well, what do we need to do? We need to put this in the laundry basket. His name was Joseph. And he said, oh, no. He said, our housekeeper will do that. I forget her name now, but he, whatever her name was. And, I, and he goes, just throw it right there on the floor. And I, and I just, I was like, man, my mom's going to whoop my butt if I do that. You ever tasted a little bit of wealth? And you're like, wow, what would it be like to have that, right? What would it be like to, 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 to not have to worry about, about the cost of things? And, and, you know, I know what I would want to do. I'd want to help people, and I would just, oh, you need, that person needs that, that person needs that. Let's go help them. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Isn't it amazing? Well, Jesus was, was given that opportunity to have all the earth could provide under Satan's dominion. And he rejected it because he's the son of God. See, he came to do the will of God. And he was crystal clear on that will that, that his job was not to get an earthly little kingdom for himself, but it was to do the Father's will. Actually, his job was to come and to be the scorn of the earth. His job was to actually become sin for us. His job was going to be, as he was hanging on the cross, that the Father would turn his head. His job was to suffer. And you say, well, he's God. It was easy for him. No, it was not. You, you ever read about the Garden of Gethsemane and where he went through his passion and where things were so intense and the stress level was so immense upon him physically that the capillaries within his body burst and instead of sweating regular sweat like you and me, he began to sweat blood. Great drops of blood, the Bible says. That's how intense it was. That's how difficult it was for him to do the Father's will. But that's what he came to do, and he did it for you and me. That's why he came. And here's the final thing I want you to see here today. I could tell you about 500 different things as to why he came, but I think these sum it all up here. Number four, he came, as you see it here, to give us the best life. The best life. I'm not talking about a wealthy life. I'm talking about the best life. A life where rust and decay cannot consume, where, you know, where time cannot destroy. He came to give us the best life. Look at what John 10.10 says. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. Now let's stop right there. Who's the thief? Satan, the devil, he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He comes to take your freedom away. He comes to take your ability to live for God away. He comes to steal your joy away from you. He comes to take your family away from you, your sons and your daughters. He's come to take your spiritual peace away from you. That's what he's in this world for. He's come to destroy you and take you to hell forever and ever. But... It says the thief comes for that. But Jesus said, I have come that they may, and he's talking about us, that you may have life and have it to the full. I've come so that 
I can live within them. And they don't need all the things of this world to make them happy and to make them prosperous within them. But they have me and they have the Holy Spirit living within them. And they have everything that they need and they have a heart of forgiveness and they have a heart of compassion and they have a heart of kindness and humility. And, and, and they're willing to live for me with courageous faith. I've come to give them life to give it to them to the full to the full what's a full life is a full life having the things of this world absolutely not how many people who consider themselves to have gotten all the things that money can buy but they were so distraught so sick so depressed that they ended up taking their own lives many of them do it happens Time and time again, where I'm from, in South Louisiana, the way to wealth there is through the oil industry. That's the way to wealth. And the oil industry is up and down, up and down, up and down. And I've seen it go through about four or five cycles in my lifetime. And some people through that get wealthy and they, they make other investments. And when the oil industry tanks, they're able to survive it and continue to live their lifestyle. But there are a lot of them that make it big and start living a certain way, and then when it goes down, the pressure of what they have and aren't going to have anymore, and the people they're going to have to lay off, and all of this gets to them, and inevitably it happens. You hear of it time and time again. You know, my mom will call me, did you hear so-and-so shot himself, killed himself in the head? I went, what? Yeah, shot himself right in the head and, and, and killed himself. You know, it was one of the wealthy maritime guys who started to lose it all. See, you could have all this world gives you and still have nothing. See, that's not what Jesus is talking about when he says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. He's not talking about things. He's talking about right here. He's talking about peace. Let me just say this to you. When you lay down at night to go to bed and you take an honest assessment Remember when you were a kid, what's one of the first prayers you, you, you learned if you had a parent who taught you this? I know what I was taught. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord what? My soul to take. We used to pray that and it used to scare the living jeebies out of me every now and then. I'm like, Mama, can we not pray tonight? Every night I pray, we're talking about if I die tonight, that means, is it possible I could die in my sleep? Well, yeah, oh my gosh, no, I don't want that to happen. So I refused to pray that prayer because I was scared. But if you're a Christian, when you lay your head down at night, say, you know, today may not have been my best day. And I failed God in this area today. But I know this. I gave my life to Jesus Christ on February 12, 1984. My life has never been the same. I became a new creation in Christ. And I know that according to the Word of God that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. That I'm in the Father's hands. I'm in His hands. No one can snatch me out of their hands. What shall separate me from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution? No, none of these things. I am more than a conqueror. In Christ. And when I lay my head down.
to sleep at night. That prayer that I prayed when I was a kid, that if I never opened my eyes up again on this side, I know where I'm going because of what Christ did for me. Let me tell you something. That's living a full life. That's living life abundantly. Because there are people who have to drown themselves in substances to go to bed at night because they can't, they just can't deal with the torment of, of the uncertainty. Can't deal with the fact that they're getting older. Can't deal with the fact that bad things have happened to them or happen in life. See, that's not a full life. A full life is when you have Christ in your heart. Not only can you go to bed at night and not be afraid, but you can wake up and not be afraid and live for God during the day, knowing that your life has purpose, it has value, it has meaning. You, you're, you're, you're here not just taking up space and time and nobody cares about you, nobody loves you. You're here because God chose you. He knew you before you were ever conceived and before you were ever born, just like He knew Jeremiah. He knows you. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. And some of you are saying, that ain't very hard. Well, he knows how many hairs you got on your body, okay? But he knows. He knows everything about you. He knows your DNA. He knows your heart better than you know your heart. And he's come to give you a life that is valuable, that is meaningful, that has purpose. That's why he came. That's what Christmas is all about for you and me the beautiful baby that was born yes celebrate him absolutely celebrate that moment yes Simeon the man whom God promised you will not see death until you see the salvation of Israel Simeon was able to hold him up in the temple and have him and speak prophetically about him Yes, enjoy the beautiful time. Yes, the wise men. We don't know how many. <laughs> we, you know, we, we, we say it's three, and it's easy to put three of them up there because of the three gifts that were given. And no, it wasn't, it wasn't um, gold, steel, and what else did the little girl say? Uh, gold, steel, and metal. <laughs> gold, metal, and steel. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Frankincense was an unbelievable perfume. Uh, it was a great gift to give and, and uh, myrrh and gold. It was the greatest that these Persians, these, these magi, these wise men, however many they were, that was the greatest that their area, their country they came from or their, their region had to offer. Yes, yeah, celebrate the child, celebrate the baby, but know that that child was the gift to mankind. And that child was going to grow in stature and grow in strength, the Bible says, and grow in knowledge and favor with God and man. And then at the age of about 30 years old, he started his public ministry. And in three years fulfilled it. And then became the sacrifice and the propitiation, the Bible says, for our sins the covering and he took upon our beating and what we should should go through ourselves so that we wouldn't have to 
He paid the price. He set us free. And a new covenant between God and man was established because the perfect Lamb of God who was born on Christmas Day fulfilled the will of God. That's why He came. And He came for you and me to have life and to have it abundantly. To have the best life that we can have. For His glory. So no matter what you're going through, no matter the changes, every year that you live, and as you grow older, you're going to have the opportunity to experience a lot of bad things in life. A lot of pain, a lot of people who are going to be gone from your life. But with those experiences, you don't turn bitter and angry, you get stronger and better. Because you know why you're here. And it's the cycle of life. And we have to do what we can do while we're here for the glory of God. We need to be like Christ and do His will. Accept the gift that God's given us. And every year at Christmas time, renew your heart and mind to those purposes. And take advantage of why He came. Because it's a gift. It's a gift, and you can have it. There's one caveat, and here it is. You have to do it his way. You got to do what he says. As Jesus said at the wedding of Cana to his disciples, whatever, uh, not Jesus, Mary said, (laughs) Mary said, whatever Jesus tells you to do, just do it. That's what she said. And that's it. It's not really a caveat, it's a key. Just a key that unlocks unlocks this abundant life. And it's available to every Christian. And it's available to every human being who turn and repent and trust Christ. See, just because we walked into this building and just because we call ourselves Christians doesn't mean that we are. We become Christians by receiving Christ as our Savior first and foremost you say well i i was baptized when i was a baby you did not have the ability when you were a baby to understand what sin is and all you did was get wet and went through a religious ceremonial experience or your parents did or what have you but for me it happened when i was 17 years of age that i realized how lost i was without him And I gave my life to him because of what he had done for me. And there was a change, and I've never been the same. And if that's never happened to you, it's not too late. You might say, well, Pastor, I've done too many wrong things. Well, guess what? You're in business. You know why? Because you're why he came. Jesus said, I've come to those who need a physician. Listen, if you're really sick and you got all kinds of physical problems, you need a doctor, sir. So when you're really sick and you got all kinds of problems, you don't say, well, I'm too sick to see a doctor. No, you're like, get me over there. Give me something to help me. Right? 
How many times have you been to the doctor and say, here's what I've got going on, and they take you to all these tests, and, and, and they still can't find out what's going on, and they're looking at you like you're some kind of hypochondriac that you just think you're sick, and you're like, no, 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 listen, I know I've got a problem. Just because you can't find it doesn't mean that I don't have a problem. I know I've got something. I know what my body's telling me. I can feel it. I know it. Well, it's the same way spiritually. You know if you've got a problem, and you know if you're in need of a Savior. And no amount of religion will fix it. Religion is snake oil. It's fake medicine. It it tries to make the outside look good to cover up the death on the inside. That's what Jesus called the Pharisees. They were religious hypocrites. He called them like whitewashed tombs. Looked beautiful and ornate on the outside, but on the inside, they were full of dead men's bones. That's what religion does to you. But a relationship, see, a relationship works from the inside out, not from the outside in. It starts right here. You meet the great physician, and he changes you from the inside out. You become like an infant spiritually, and then you begin to grow, and your life changes beautiful thing man the new birth if you've never truly experienced that it's december 23rd today it's two days before christmas and it ain't about some dude with a white beard no pun intended here (laughs) and a red suit even though we can have fun and all of that about a Jewish carpenter who came who lived and died and rose again that's what it's about what greater gift you could ever receive than to receive the gift of salvation and it's really special if you receive it at Christmas time it's offered to you it's a free gift I am with this just in case somebody maybe doesn't understand how it works. I've done this many times, but I'm going to use D-Rob instead of Coach Pritchett this time. Give Coach a break. I'll wear him out as a prop. D-Rob, come over here. Just come stand. Okay. Now, I didn't buy anything for D-Rob for Christmas this year. Uh, No, and, and and here's the reason. It's Christmas Day every day when he sees me. You know, it's like... Hey, D-Rob, you get me every day. You know, anyway. Okay, but let's say I'm going to give Pastor D-Rob a gift. And let's say the gift I'm going to give him is a Bible. And let's say I even get it engraved, you know, get his name put on there. Pastor D-Rob. Okay? And I bought this Bible. It's paid for. It's got his name on it. It's not mine. It's his. It's a gift. I paid for it. Okay? And I'm offering it to him. Now, let me ask you this. Right now, does he have it in his possession? No. Does he have the benefit of it as far as, as he, is he able to open it up and turn and look into it right now? No. What does he have to do to receive this gift? He has to reach out. Okay. Now he has to receive it. There's, now, now he has possession of the gift. Give him my Bible back. Man. <laughs> now he has to receive it. And now he has possession of it. It's the same thing with salvation. It's a gift. Your name's on it. 
gift wrapped in the blood of Christ for you. And all you need to do is receive it. You say, how do I receive it? By faith. To as many as believed him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. John chapter 1, verse 12. The key is belief. So you receive it by putting your trust in him. And then, then it becomes yours. That's it. You say, is it that simple? Yes. But it's also tremendously complex in its significance. Put your faith and trust in Him. You'll receive Him. Boom. He comes into your heart, changes you, and you're never the same again. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the gift of your son, Jesus. I, I say that, and I, and I, almost, I, I just don't fully know what I'm saying sometimes when I say that. I think I do. But man, it just goes off of my lips too easy without contemplating all that that means for my life. So we're grateful, even for what we don't fully appreciate and understand, because that's not necessarily required to receive the gift. I pray for anybody in this building that's in that place where they need to receive you as their Savior. They may have gone through the motions, but it never was real in their life in the past. Today, would they receive you? If you're in that position, whatever your circumstance is, just, just say something like this to God. Say it in your own heart, in your own words. He hears your heart, but just something like this. Dear God, I... I know I'm a sinner. I need you. I want the gift of salvation. I believe in you. I believe that you lived, died, and rose again, and you're coming back, and I want to put my faith and trust in you. And today, I want a new life. I give my life to you. You are the Lord of my life. See, it's not so much your words. The Bible says, to as many as received them, it also says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then Christian, those who are already Christians, whew, are you selling him short? Are you not realizing what this Christmas is all about? Why he came? He came to give you a great life. You got to let him do it. And you got to trust him. So in just a moment, we're going to sing, and it's going to be what we call our invitation. And you are going to be invited to come <clears throat> and make a decision public. If you prayed to receive Christ just a moment ago, I want you to come to me, and I'll take you from here. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you give a speech or say anything in front of the church. I want to talk to you and share with you about Christ and help you make that decision. Maybe you want to be like Allie did last week where she came and joined this church and said, this is where... I want to be a part of this family. However God is leading you, the altar will be open for anybody who wants to come and pray. Let God have His way in your heart as our worship team leads us, Father, and we pray this in His name. Amen.